from Trimble Construction, you're listening to the Connected Construction Show, where we connect you to the contractors, owners, designers, engineers, and construction professionals who are finding better ways to work. And now, here's your host, Matt Sprague. Hello and welcome back to the Connected Construction Show. My name is Matt Sprague and I am your faithful host here. Um, back at Dimensions 2022 in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Venetian Resorts. Um, very excited to be bringing our next guests with you. Uh, we have uh, Joe Eberly and uh, David Huresh, both from uh, 4M. Uh, welcome, guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. And uh, normal way we run the show, we kind of start off with, like, let's get to know you, and then we'll dive into the, the topic of, uh, of of the day. So, Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself. Name, sure. Where are you from? What your title is? Where you got to? Uh, how you got to where you are today? Perfect. So, uh, thanks, Matt, for having us on the show today. Uh, name is Joe Everly. Uh, I live and work out of the Denver area, so I live just outside of Denver. And uh, I, I recently joined 4M Analytics. Uh, I'm leading the go-to-market team, so the sales and marketing efforts at the organization. And uh, my background, i just coming off of uh, 14 years working with uh, the eBuilder uh, team and, of course, the Trimble team here. So uh, super excited to, to join you today and, at the same time, super excited to be a part of what 4M Analytics is doing in the market. So th- thanks again for having us. Awesome. Welcome. And David, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so first of all, uh, officially, I'd like to welcome uh, Joe. It's great to have him join the team. Uh, I'm the director of marketing in the company based in, uh, in Tel Aviv, in Israel, uh, which is where uh, most of the company is based at the moment, although we just set up headquarters in the United States, in Austin, Texas. Um, very excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Question: Why Austin? I'm just I'm curious. Like, where coming coming from Tel Aviv to the United States? What? Why Austin? What's 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 special about it? Well, I think there's lots of things that uh, would would um, be interesting about bringing a company to to, to Austin. Uh, obviously, Texas is a big draw right now. There are lots of organizations moving into Texas from all over not just the United States, but outside the United States as well. It's a very attractive place for talent. Uh, so I think um, just the fact that young folks who are interested in joining companies are navigating towards cities like Austin and, and maybe Denver and Nashville and some other uh, areas in the United States. So, And as a, as a centrally located place to be, uh, it's a pretty cool city too. So. Awesome. And, and for those of you in Austin, it wasn't that I didn't agree with it. I was just curious. I really like Austin, Texas. Um, so don't unsubscribe. Uh, so so let's uh, let's dive in a little bit about uh, 4M. Can you kind of give us like a, a high level overview of 4M? Uh, and most importantly, uh, kind of the, at the top level, uh, what problem in the industry uh, are you addressing? Well, uh, the problem is, is a big question, but in a nutshell, what we do as a company is we've built the first digital map of subsurface infrastructure, sort of a Google Maps for the subsurface. Uh, what this means is that any stakeholder that gets involved with um, the needs to use utility data can pick a place on the map and see what utilities are buried there. 
very much like uh, the Google Maps platform. But regarding the problem, uh, where, where to start? Like, I think that it's uh, the, the utility risk is the biggest risk for any construction project because it's the biggest unknown. We just don't know what's below. And today we, uh, we try to solve this problem using a variety of techniques, whether it's uh, collecting the public and private records or whether it's selling field investigators or using uh, sensors or potholing. And we're making all these efforts that are um, highly manual, very expensive, and they still don't mitigate the risk. They still don't give us 100% certainty. Um, so I think that's that's the crux of it. But the um, So what, what are some of the like the, the risks of not knowing the, the subsurface uh, 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 utilities on a, on a road project as it has an example. Yeah, yeah. So today when you want to pave a road or put a pipeline into the ground, you find yourself digging. And when you dig, you often meet, encounter already existing infrastructure that's there. And when I say encounter, it's often damaging them because we're putting a backhoe, we're putting the shovel into the ground, and we're uh, best case scenario, nobody gets hurt, but worst case scenario, people actually uh, uh, get hurt. And not to mention the schedule overruns and and uh, and breaching uh, 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 the budget. Uh, there's and there's a lot of impact on there's what's called the the first uh, line of impact to the project which is like people get hurt we need to move the utility out of the way we need to fix all that stuff and then there's the second circle which is we're closing down the road we're uh, impacting people's lives where there's people cut off from a specific utility uh, and there's all this negative impact that is happening because we don't have clarity on what's happening below the surface that makes sense um, I figured, like, you have knowing what is and what isn't there, right? So, so it's a it's a matter of, or and it's also timing too. It's yeah. that you know, if it's a if it's a, a project in North Dakota, as an example, and it's October, uh, and you need to move a utility line, you need to do that pretty darn quickly before the. Before the road, uh, before the, the, the surface, the subsurface freezes, and you can't even get to it. So I imagine, it in terms of even the planning side of things, is understanding when when that type of work can get done. Yeah, I think uh, just to layer in there, I think you know if if you think about the impacts of say uh, you know hitting a, an electrical line or a water line or uh, whatever the case might be as you're uh, digging in the ground. Yes, uh, it's an impact to your cost budget budget and schedule on your project uh, and it's a disruption to say the traffic flow in an area because you need to shut it down to get some repair uh, going and so forth but even beyond that uh, the impact to the businesses who may lose power uh, the homes that may have disruption in their water service uh, God forbid we hit a telecommunications line right and all of a sudden now we're without internet and you know course we can't function without internet nowadays so i'd be mad at you with that. yeah <laughs> like the the concentric circles outside of, of being in the ground at that specific point they just yeah. grow and grow and grow so it all goes back to the risk 
of knowing what's underground and, the, and really the, the, the vision and the mission that we have as an organization is to ensure uh, that the confidence level of what's in the, under the ground where you're digging is known. Gotcha. So let's um, kind of like we'll, we'll double click down a little bit more on the, on the problem. Uh, subsurface utilities are some of the hardest to uh, risk to mitigate uh, throughout the entire project uh, or asset lifecycle. Why is that? Why is it the hardest? Well, when, when we think about the challenge of utility data as a title, we divide it into two spaces. Number one is access to utility data. So uh, three years before the project, when I'm the, uh, the first engineer to start putting together the, the story of this project, I do what's called record research. And what that means is that I, uh, best case scenario, I go, go online and I find the GIS platform of the city that I'm working with and I uh, pull the data from there or I find some sort of PDF that's on the server that's 20 clicks away. And worst case scenario, it's a hard copy uh, buried in a basement of a building in the outskirts of a town that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. Now the question is, and that's the second part of the problem, once I get my hands on the, that utility data, can I trust it? Is it reliable enough? Has did the contractor who put the pipeline into the ground, did he make any last minute changes that he didn't put in the as-builds? Or are the as-builds with best intentions accurate enough? Those questions, when you look at what's happening in the industry, we know that the human element, when involved with portraying what's happening below the surface, yeah. is putting projects at risk, depending on the, the level of how good or not good they are, right? Um, so these two elements make it very uh, costly and inefficient to also get your hands on utility data and then afterwards trust them. That makes sense. So even, even a uh, geography that has, let's say, uh, a, a, a GIS usage that has, um, from their perspective, uh, mapped out all these things, the question still comes, how reliable, where did it come from? Right. It, it, it's still because you know, they might be going off of, uh, you know, the, uh, of, of, of some documentation that they put into GIS. So therefore, you think it's gospel. Yeah. But, but how, how do you know? So it's not necessarily just for organizations that don't have this type of thing mapped out yet, but even the ones that do in terms of another source of uh, 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 another data point to, to kind of confirm what, what's going on. Yeah, I, I think one of the proof points is, is um, uh, yes, there is access to that data, although it's manually uh, or where it's a manual process, you can get to it. Uh, but to the, uh, to the point that David was making about reliability, there's a reason uh, why there are probably tens or even hundreds of thousands of uh, utility breaks during construction in, in North America alone uh, over the say the course of the year and that of course leads to delays and money and uh, you know billions of dollars worth of um, uh, worth of additional cost in some cases so uh, it, it goes to what is the confidence level that you can have in what you just described which is say a GIS system that's publicly available but at some point that data has to get in there 
And that process of getting that uh, one, that data collected as a part of the uh, sort of project closeout process, maybe something like that, and the accuracy of it getting into it, but also how updated it is it, right? So it's a manual process. Somebody has to go uh, to the sort of city GIS administration group and say, okay, here's the as-built for this new project. Well, what if a project doesn't get submitted? Uh, it never shows up on the GIS map. So the reliability, uh, accuracy is one thing, but the reliability and the confidence in the data is something completely different. There's a very uh, repeatable story that happens in our industry. The two uh, stakeholders, the contractor and the utility owner, meet in a restaurant or in a dark alley, and they pass each other a napkin with, the, with uh, uh, some sort of uh, portrayal of the utility data in the project. Because there's... There, People don't want to don't want to be liable for the utility data that gets passed between organizations yeah. because there is a whole game of who's responsible because if is, they recorded it incorrectly exactly yeah, and then they hit it exactly uh, well it, it also points to one of the reasons why uh, we see as a vision and a path forward as an organization you know there are there are lots of mapping um, solutions out there GIS being one of them of course but uh, uh, none of them seem to have really uh, focused in and solved for what the real problem is, right? Which is uh, producing a map that is data ready uh, in, in near real time, right? With uh, uh, continually update and continual maintenance on the data that goes into that mapping. So uh, you can inject yourself into a, a, a process with some technology with an attempt to try to make it more efficient or or, or make it better, or make it easier, make it more accurate, all of those things. But unless you address the process itself, regardless of the technology, uh, you still have a problem of surfacing the problem through your technology. And so what 4M is really attempting to do is, is take that process, fix what it is that's broken in the process, and bring to bear the latest, greatest mapping technology um, for the end users. Okay. So, um, so what's the end game? What's the uh, ideal solution? So, you know, tell us, you know, where where we are today um, as an industry, and you know, where does 4M help? Where where do, where do they kind of plug in? Or not that you? Go ahead. <laughs> there needs to be a, a single source of truth for the industry. I want you to think think about it, so we can. Let's say a random highway in uh, in Texas can have a dozen stakeholders working on it for the same time, and they will all do the same process of collecting data, verifying it, and then using it. So the owner pays for it twelve times, and and that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's not it's ridiculous also for also for them because it's uh, it's more overhead in their project more overhead more risk yeah more liability and what we're saying is that there should be one single source of truth just like the stock exchange is for for the financial realm yeah what is what is the the reality for uh, for the civil long linear infrastructure realm so the answer is, is a map 
that everyone can agree on because today we're the funny thing is a, a utility that's buried beneath the ground is a reality that no one can agree on because nobody can agree that it's exactly here or it's exactly there or who is who is really the owner we have also cases like that yeah um, so going back to what Joe said it's really about having one source of truth that's constantly updated that is a place that people can say okay this is what's happening now let's discuss who is liable for this who's liable for that how can we work together how can we perform utility coordination damage prevention and so on yeah I think it's uh, if you think of it from sort of the asset uh, life cycle management process although it's it, it's uh, surely applicable on the front end you know planning and, and design and the engineering stages of uh, projects but uh, it won't be very long, in my view, right? Uh, it won't be very long before we discover where down the life cycle uh, of, a, of an asset, it'll have further applicability, right? And that's what we're hoping to learn over the next couple of years in partnering with many of the firms that uh, use that type of data to figure out, okay, what does this, what does this data do for us? later on in the in the project life cycle because ultimately if you're an owner it's about three the three things scope schedule and budget right how can what we do on the front end impact overall the best use of the tax taxpayers money uh, as an owner in heavy civil or transportation or water or wherever it might be so, yeah that was it was going to be my kind of my next question yeah. is like where or not where when does this become important? And I was curious, like, obviously, we kind of already talked about, like, the planning, yeah. right? But also where, like, you know, uh, uh, even the, the, the operations and maintenance side of it. Yeah. And, and so I think what you're saying is is that we will learn more as, as, as it starts getting getting leveraged. Yeah, I think so, right? And I'd like to use the, the idea of, uh, or the words, data-ready mapping, right? So if you think about uh, if you fix the, in, uh, the the inefficiencies in the, in, the, in the production at the early stages where you're capturing the data, um, you're combining different data sources and you're presenting that through your platform, that means, uh, and by the way, you have the maintenance of that data and the updating of that data going on at the same time. Now you've what, now you have what I call data ready mapping, which is applicable um, along that entire life cycle, not just in the in the very beginning of the uh, you know the planning and the design and engineering stages. So uh, a lot of it, a lot we don't know what we don't know yet. There's a lot to learn, right? Like where this can be used, and also for us, how we continue to add additional data sources into say our data ocean that we can turn on different types of layers that can be applicable to different uh, different disciplines and different organizations throughout that life cycle. You know, what, what happens today in the industry is that <coughs> we only start investing in, get, in acquiring utility data the closer we get to construction. But as every, as every professional knows, the problems you solve on the front end at the early stages <coughs> Are the problems that won't happen when you get to construction. Yep. And that doesn't happen with utilities because, <coughs> sorry, you don't make that investment, which is a big. <coughs> get some water. <laughs> there we go. No choking here. <laughs> so, 
because we're making big investments only when we get closer to construction. And that's that's the real problem. Yeah, sometimes it's too late. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So I'll get uh, real quick. I'll just give you a personal story. How does this actually relate to something that you, as an individual, or me as an individual? You know, a couple of years ago, I uh, had a house built. And I closed on my house, and we moved in. Um, and about thirty days after we moved in, uh, unfortunately, we started having the, the sewer system back up into our brand new house. Right? This is terrible. What is going on, right? So I called the builder, uh, superintendent came out, he brought a camera, you know, a, a pipe yep. camera crew out with him. The utility uh, excavator came out. They're all looking at it, trying to figure out what happened. Well, of course, it's a blockage of some kind, somewhere between the drain and, and the street where we yep. plug in at. So anyway, after some investigation, they can't figure out exactly what where the where the block is going on there. So here comes the, the back hose. Yeah. Got to dig down, and where I live, they're buried down about 20 feet, right? So, and I have a, you know, about a 60, 80 foot uh, from the front of my house out to where it, it would tie into the street, into the sewer main. 20 foot holes, 15 feet wide, 80 feet long. Tore, had to find it. Had to find it. Yeah. Tore up my whole land, all my landscaping, everything. Right. Had to move us out, right? So we couldn't couldn't live there while we had no, crazy. no sewer. So. Ultimately, what we found is where the design showed that it would go directly straight out of out of my house yep. and tie into the street. They decided at some point, without telling anybody, they were going to take it this way and take it over to uh, an, uh, another uh, perpendicular parallel Classic. street, right? And and hook it up there. Never updated the plans. Never updated the as-builts. Yeah. And what caused the backup is they never connected it, so it never got actually ah. connected. Right. The sad part of it is they never got it actually connected. But it, to me, it's a it's a perfect example of uh, something on paper did not translate into what got put in the ground, where it needed to be. And the people who did it didn't take the time or didn't do the due diligence to figure out, OK, we need to let somebody know that we deviated from our site plan yeah. and put it somewhere else. So yeah. and ultimately, it ended up, ended up costing my builder about 50 grand to fix it. So. But like one time, yeah. one house. That's all. So, what's next for for 4M? In which you know, what, what which direction is the is the company heading? So, we've we've just finished mapping out Texas to create this uh, statewide map. The next state that we're going to be mapping is uh, California. Hopefully, it's going to be uh, finished by. Uh, the end of this year, January, something like that, and hopefully we'll have the whole country by the end of 2023. That's our plan. The way we're doing this, to get in, a bit into the nitty-gritty, is we have uh, two aspects. I'll, I'll explain the story of Texas. So the first thing that we did is we collected the public and private utility records for the entire state. So in Texas, that's about 300,000 records that we digitized. We then determined uh, which are relevant and which aren't, and we put the relevant ones on the map, on the digital interface. Then what we do is with, we have access to about 60 to 70 years of satellite and aerial imagery. 
and we've developed computer vision algorithms that are able to scan these databases and look for visual evidence that say that indicate what's buried beneath the surface. So excavators, put uh, sites, project sites are putting pipelines into the ground, scar marks, manholes, valves, and so on and so on. And those indicators are then turned into a map that is overlaid on the public and private records. So there's some sort of QA, QC to the, uh, to the uh, project documents, mm -hmm. so to speak. And there's, there's a whole uh, techno uh, technology-based process behind that. That's more or less how we build our map. Um, that scale of doing everything, this is all done from the office. No boots on the ground, no field investigators, no, uh, um, um, uh, no GPRs and so on and so on. Um, and that allows us to create such a map the entire country because we're able to operate at scale. Yeah. Interesting. All right, so deviate a little bit here. So this is more of a kind of like industry question. So as a as a new company, a, a startup, what other intriguing solutions are you seeing out there uh, that have the potential to be disruptive uh, or at the very least uh, make an impact? What, what other type of things are you seeing? Yeah, I think for me, it's uh, obviously the robotics, right, that are that have been uh, sort of uh, a part of the construction, I guess, market uh, for some time now. Yeah. I think there's certainly uh, a ton uh, that uh, can be done uh, through the robotics side of it, with as well as the visual, visual 3D visualization, virtual uh, stuff as well, right? So imagine for a second that you could uh, sort of plug in uh, to our map with with some uh, you know some visuals and, and, and like go underground yep. and see you know see the uh, the utility lines and, the, and and stuff under there that would be uh, pretty interesting and pretty cool to figure out whether or not something like that could be done but uh, to me so it's so actually like like x-ray oh well <laughs> It might be X-ray. Yeah, I'm right. not sure. Right. Yeah, X-ray right. vision. Not, yeah. But yeah. what I mean was that you're not talking about like mixed reality. No, you're yeah. actually saying like. Yeah. Well. Yeah. In the same in the same way that I think 4M is bringing uh, by addressing the, the the problems and the inefficiencies in in the processes that um, uh, are out there today. In the same way that we're sort of innovating that that process, right? Who knows what's next, right? You can take it to. Another thought would be like crowdsourcing the the data that goes into a business application like the 4M Analytics, like yeah. a mapping solution. Yeah. So it's almost like if you can think about Google Maps, what's so interesting about and easy about Google Maps is I say I can decide on some morning, say, I, hey, I want to drive from Denver to New Mexico and go to a an art exhibit or something like that, right? Type in the type in the address, and I'm off and running, right? I can follow it. Um, but imagine that same sort of thing under, underground. But uh, in today's world, uh, you have to tell Google underground maps that say, "Here's the streets that I want to take. Here's the time it'll take me on each of those streets. Here's the distance on each of those streets." And oh, by by the way, thirty days later, you'll get your map back, right? That that sort of it captures the process as it as it exists today. But think of anywhere in the United States, draw a polygon, and it exposes 
not only the, the utility data to you, but things like who owns the land, the utility owners, the top topography, the floodplains, any relevant information that you need as an individual who's working on a, you know, a future project or a current project or whatever the case might be. So I, I hate to go out to the bleeding edge of where, where this could go, right? But, you know, I can't help but think about what's just over the horizon. Uh, and at the same time, we have to stay focused on what we're here to do immediately, which is have an uh, immediate impact on our industry. Yeah, what makes a difference now. Right. I, I, and that's sort of my role now is to figure out, okay, we need help doing this. We need partners. We need people who are interested that want to come try our technology. And so I think so that's, I think that's like a, a yeah. really important piece, right? Yeah. Is that, so we have like the connected construction right. and whatnot. And it, it's like, if every stakeholder waited for the technology to be perfected, yeah. it'll never happen. Like we need, you, 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 the industry needs people to test and adopt and trial and error and yeah. provide feedback and that's the most one of the most important parts about the whole the whole thing yeah it, it's really exciting when you uh like texas dot and caltrans right yeah. these, these organizations i uh i really love working with them right because they've got groups of people in there that are very forward thinking and are not afraid to sort of take a step out with uh, maybe a new company like us and say, hey, let's try this, right? Let's spend some time and some resources together, uh, figure out what works, what doesn't work, and we'll take that information back in a very quick, shout out, by the way, to our uh, engineering R&D and product team. So let me, let me get that in there, right? They're doing some incredible things uh, with AI and just some yeah. of the stuff they do. I don't even get it, right? So, uh, but that's the kind of thing that we're looking for is that engagement model so we can share what we think uh, we can bring to the industry in terms of the return on investment or the value or driving down costs, uh, whatever it happens to be. So, um, you know, in the next six months, let's say I'm, I'm looking really for partnerships in the industry that we can go try some things out. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was a, our, our keynote speaker yesterday or one of, one of Steve Wozniak, he said, um, every organization should have a CDO, a Chief Disruption Officer. And he actually, one, one other point of clarification is that that person should not report to the CEO. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah I, I heard him it. say that. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And it is true. It's just like, yeah, you have to have someone who's solely focused on, on pushing the boundaries and see what's going on. And I would say it's, the, it's, it's not just for technology companies. It's for it's for our, our, our customers as well. Yeah. that they need to be figuring out like how how they can push it because they may they could like get a hold of what 4M is doing yeah. and all of a sudden use it in a different way that you never thought of. Exactly. Like, oh my goodness! Yeah. Like in, in, in and then it truly becomes super disruptive. That it's only happening. Connected construction only happens when people are participating. So. Yeah, in the, in the world of uh, where it's pretty common for people to use the uh, trusted advisor yep. kind of statement. Uh, I don't like that. Right? Like, we need to be trusted disruptors, to your point, right? Come in, have an honest conversation about where the pain is, where you're hemorrhaging money or time or yeah. scope of uh, uh, schedule, whatever the case might be. And let's go out and try something because we think we can have an impact on it. So, it, and it, by the way, it, it, if you think about that whole uh, life cycle of an asset through the construction phase and everything else, right? It's it's uh, everybody that has some level of, of success, whether you're a service provider, your technology provider, 
whether you're a backhoe operator or whatever it is, it's those incremental areas where if you don't raise your hand and say, hey, I, I have an idea or this is an issue, I, I think I have a, I, I know a company or I know somebody that can help us out here, you're going to run into it the next time you do it and the next time you do it. Yeah. So my son is always, my son's 16 years old and he, right now he's, he's, he's just infatuated with out of the blue coming up with the next like big thing. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, that's possible that you can randomly figure out what, you know, what the new sliced bread is. Uh, but most of the time it, it comes from experience. So I'm trying to teach him that like go experience different things, but have a lens of what's you know, a problem that everybody's just okay with and, and look to solve it. Yeah. So last question, uh, question we ask everybody, um, what is your motto or what's a motto that you've heard that you, you feel kind of brings a nice life lesson? Who wants to go first? Uh, bit of a military essence to it, but improvise, adapt, overcome. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's exactly what we're kind of just talking about, right? Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Joe? Well, along, uh, kind of along the same lines as David, mine uh, comes from some experience I had in the military. You know, I was a, uh, I was a troubleshooter uh, on the uh, flight deck of an aircraft carrier. Uh, my job is to go out there quickly, find what's wrong, and uh, find a fix to it. Otherwise, flight operations stop. And when flight operations stop, somebody's losing their job yeah right? so uh and i learned along that way we had a captain uh, of our ship that used to end everything with press on and so i, I for years i've been using that as uh, a motto for myself and the teams that i work with them uh, of press on so yeah i love it guys thank you so much for for, thank for joining you. me for this conversation yeah, it's been it's fantastic uh for everybody listening watching thank you so much uh, and as always, until next time, stay connected. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Connected Construction Show. For more information, visit us at connectedconstructionshow.com.